Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. Um, many of you know that we are not, we don't use the term uh, independent church. We don't think any church is independent. We use the term non-denominational. Uh, having said that, we've been part of a fellowship of churches for over 35 years, a Messenger Fellowship based in uh, uh, Nashville. Our guests who were here last week were out of Nashville, and our guest here today, Ryan Hall, is from there as well. Uh, Mickey actually was down in Nashville a couple of, uh, over the summertime, uh, teaching down there in the Nashville location. And so we exchange as part of this fellowship. And Ryan Hall is here with us today. Ryan is out of California, so he is suffering today. Um, he talked to me when I picked him up like this was cold. So um, we welcome him here today. He is the Executive Director for International Initiatives for Messenger Fellowship, which basically means he talks to people overseas in regards to Messenger. Uh, he's a worship leader in his own right and, uh, and a tremendous speaker, and we're very glad to have him here with us this morning. Would you please warmly welcome Ryan Hall. Good morning. Well, I, I can project. Um, I've had the joy of being with your students this weekend. I was out at the Axiom retreat, so I got in this morning at 1 a.m. So if I look tired, I am tired. Um, but and don't tell me if I look tired. That's the worst, right? When people are like, whoa, you look really tired. And you're like, thank, thank you. Um, so my name is Ryan. I, I have a beautiful wife named Karen. I have a daughter named Lily, who's seven, and a son, Ethan, who is about to turn six, and he tells everyone about it, that he's about to turn six. Um, so that's our little bit of our family. It's kind of hard when you're coming in and you're getting to know everyone, so I'm trying to tell you as quickly as possible who I am, and then let's get down to it, okay? Um, I'm a man who loves the Word of God, and so we're going to look at the Word of God this morning. But I wanted to start with a story um, from my son, actually maybe a couple stories, He's, he's saying some crazy stuff right now, um, and I love it. So he tells me the other day, we were hanging out, and he's like, Daddy, and this is like means a lot to me, because as someone who's in ministry, and just you've seen people in ministry that are just driven and going for it, a lot of times the family suffers, you know, um, and my, dad, my son the other day, he's like, Daddy, do you know what your job is? And I was like, what, buddy? And I'm thinking he's going to tell me to minister to Jesus or to tell people about Jesus, and he says, be my daddy. And I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. I felt like I was like winning the lottery, you know? And uh, we have this thing, the, the school that they're at, they do this thing called Dining with Dads every year. And it's like this crazy thing that like, for some reason, my wife and I have locked onto this and I've turned down like speaking engagements to be at this Dining with Dads thing. And um, like 90% of the dads, 98% of the dads show up and eat with their kids at school, which is just phenomenal, right? 
And um, we're sitting down, and, he, and my, my son, Ethan, he's introducing me to all of his friends. And then he says, this is just, kids are just so honest, right? He's like, this is my buddy Cruz, and his dad needs a job. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, cool, buddy. You know, he's like, we've been praying for him. For, we've been praying that his dad would get a job. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And luckily, Cruz's dad wasn't there, right? So then like, a, 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 like probably about five minutes later, Cruz's dad shows up and my son's like, he's the one that needs a job, you know? And I'm like, hey, you know, <laughs> sorry, my son's really excited about this. So I found out later that like a couple weeks later, they still were praise, praying for, I mean, I hope Cruz's dad's not watching this somehow. I'm sorry, Cruz's dad. Um, but like a, a few weeks later, they're still praying for Cruz's dad to get a job. And my son says in the middle of class, you know what, Cruz, your dad has a job. He's your daddy. And I was like, right? Or actually get my son up here to preach a message, right? There's something about that simplicity of knowing who we are that's so powerful. And my son gets it and he's five years old and I'm praying like, Jesus, help me to get this, right? So that's just a bonus story. That was a recent story. But the story I wanted to tell to kind of set up today, we're going to talk about the secrets of the kingdom. But one of the things, that, and my wife and I say this all the time, the gospel and the kingdom of God is smaller than we think. And it's bigger than we think. And so just stick with me, okay? It's, it's a smaller idea than we thought. And it's bigger than we thought. The small is actually way bigger than we thought. So my son, a few years ago, he was, anyone have kids, right? We, some of us have kids in this room. And you have that phase where they're going to sleep and they have a nightmare and they're like inconsolable and they're just not there and you're trying to comfort them and they're not really awake. And um, my wife was gone and I was watching the kids and they were napping and he had one of these in the middle of the day. And it was like, when you're a dad and you're trying to calm this thing down, I was like, oh, buddy, and he finally kind of was waking up, and I was like, are you okay? And he said he had a bad dream. And I said, well, you know what, buddy? Jesus, Jesus is bigger than those, those bad dreams, you know? Like, if this happens again, you know, just believe that Jesus is bigger than those bad dreams. So he goes back to sleep, he takes his nap, and then he comes out, and he says, Daddy, I didn't have any bad dreams. And I was like, okay, buddy, you know, that's great, you know? It was just a nap. It wasn't that long. But he comes out and he's like, so the bad guy was coming again. And then all of a sudden I was in the church and God was so big and I started crying. This is my son. He's like four. And I started crying because I was like, he's too big. He can't fit inside of me. He's too big. And he said, and then all of a sudden God got smaller and smaller and smaller. And he came into my heart. And he said, and then he took a sword, and he cut the bad guys to the trash can, you know? And I was like, whoa, this is like, I mean, he's getting some theology, you know? Uh, but I love that. I love that. He's so big. God is so big. He can't fit inside of me. And he got smaller and smaller and smaller. You guys, this is who our God is. When Jesus came, it was God who's so big that he couldn't fit inside of us, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The gospel is smaller than we think, and it's bigger than we think. You guys okay? It's 9.30, and I'm going on like five hours of sleep, and I'm like, here we go. I get a little excited. Okay, Matthew 13, 10 through 11, it says this. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. 
We don't have time to talk about that, that little but not to them statement. It's a kind of crazy statement. But we have the luxury of having the disciples sit and hear, sit at Jesus' feet, hear what he's saying, and have some understanding, right? So we're going to look at a couple parables this morning from when Jesus is teaching about the kingdom and just pull a couple ideas from it. And it's, we're going to camp out in this whole kind of small idea, all right? So kingdom, we know this, a kingdom is just the king's domain, right? We're the, the rulership of God, the ways of God, the king. And we're going to look at this, what is the way and the nature of the kingdom in the earth? So like the global perspective, through history, we'll see what God was on God's heart through history. And then we're going to apply that same truth to us as individuals in our own individual history, okay? I was with youth all weekend, so I'm always like, right, are you guys okay? You know, so pardon me if I'm still in that mode. Okay, so here we go, Matthew 13, 31 through 32. This is the parable of the mustard seed. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Amen? The smallest of seeds. Jesus is so particular in his parables, right? Have you seen a mustard seed? It is the smallest seed ever, right? And he's saying it's becoming the largest tree in the garden. I don't know. He's just the best. Jesus is the best storyteller. So here we go. Secret of the kingdom, the ways of God, the king. God loves small things that become big things. These are like the simplest truths ever. You're like, thanks, Ryan. (laughs) He loves small things that become big things. Do you know what that means? At every station of growth, we have something to celebrate. God loves the small. So if you're here this morning and you're in a season that you're like, this season feels so small, I have have something to tell you. God loves the small. And he also knows that every small thing, if it's in the kingdom, if it's part of the kingdom, that small thing is going to grow. So if you're here this morning and you're like, my faith is small, or I'm just starting out in this journey with the Lord and I have a small faith, I'm here to tell you this morning, celebrate that small faith, and because it's part of the kingdom, it's guaranteed to grow, right? Jesus started with 12 disciples. I'd have to say that the 12 turned into something a little bit bigger 2,000 years later, right? It is in the kingdom, the very nature of the kingdom is to grow. So if you feel small this morning, amen, that's great. The Lord loves the small, and you won't, he won't leave you there, right? He's going to grow you, amen? All right, amen. I love this. Genesis 1, we see this all throughout history. The Lord loves to start with the small, and he grows big, right? He starts with a garden. He doesn't just make the earth and then cover the earth with a garden. He starts with this small little setting, and he tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. Take this little thing in this garden and spread it all over the world, right? This is who he is. Jesus, born a baby. I love this so much. If I was God, (laughs) which you're so lucky I'm not, right? If I was God... It would be so cool to have Jesus show up on earth, fully grown man, like out of nowhere, right? Glorious, like just this man showing up. I am God, you know? But God's not like that. He comes into a womb of a mother. This is our God. He makes himself so small, like, the, like Ethan's picture, right? 
He makes himself so small, he comes into the womb of a woman, actually a small girl, and then is born. Fully dependent on a mom, right? Jesus is born, and then he grew up. That's what I wrote. That's like, this is like the most powerful, profound thing ever, right? Jesus was born, and he grew up. You know, and we, get, we can see things like this and be like, and just glance over that. But if we actually take a look at it, it tells us something about who God is. He's not about quick, instant things. He's not about getting, coming in and battling the big things of culture with big things of the kingdom. This isn't who he is. He actually loves to come in small. So if you're feeling small today, you can be used of the Lord. If you're like, what influence do I have? All I have is the influence of my kids or my family. Fantastic. Celebrate the influence that you have in your home, right? You guys okay? I love that. Jesus grew up. Check this out. How does this even work? Jesus grew in favor with God. I don't even know. We don't have time to unpack that this morning. Jesus, the son of God, grew in favor with God and with man. He didn't just show up on the scene having favor with everybody. He comes, born a baby, grows into a man, and grows in favor with God and man. We can't unpack that, but this is just who he is. He loves the small things that become big things. Amen? I like that. That's Luke 2.52, by the way. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Look at this. Jesus' ministry. So we had that first commission that the Lord gives them in Genesis 1. Take this garden and make the whole earth look like this garden. That's what happens, right? Then we see in, in Jesus' ministry, he takes 12 disciples, you guys. The G- Jesus, the Son of Man. His whole, the Son of Man, Son of God, his whole ministry at the end of the day was 12 guys, Right? I mean, nowadays, like, I don't know what we would say about a pastor that, like, had a congregation of 12 people, right? We'd be like, ooh, that poor guy. Such a bummer, you know? I mean, there was such great things for Jesus and then just 12, you know? And even then, like, at the end, they deserted him and there was, like, one that kind of was hanging out. You know, I mean, we just look at his ministry from an earthly perspective and we're like, what? But see, if we understand that God is the God of the small and that the very nature of the kingdom is that truth will prevail and will grow, then we're like, 12's rad. If at the end of my life I can say that I poured into 12 people and they made it, I think I'm okay. And I want this to comfort us this morning. Well, I don't know, it comforts me. But I want it to comfort us this morning. If you have a small thing that's going on, the Lord wants you to, to rejoice in it today right? If you have 12 people in your life that you're influencing, if you have eight people at six, three, two, one, you know, whatever that is, you can rejoice and know and be confident God is in this because he loves the small. And the very nature of the kingdom is whatever I'm investing in this small area will grow. That's who he is. It's a guarantee. Amen. 12 disciples, the small group. Okay, check this out. I just love this. Because I like the Bible. Um, the kingdom in Daniel, we're going to go back to Old Testament real quick, and it's going to be all right. Daniel 2, 31 through 35, right? This is the dream. Your majesty, this is the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Um, if you guys don't know it, read it. It's a great dream. Um, but it says, your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance, right? 
I, every time I think about this, I just think of culture. The head of the statue was made of pure gold. Its chest and arms are silver. Its belly, bronze, blah, 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 blah. There's lots of fine stuff going on. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, not by human hands, and it struck the feet of the, of the statue, right? And the statue crumbled to pieces, and that little rock, it says, but that rock struck the statue, became a huge mountain, and filled the whole earth. This is the God we serve, right? If it was me, again, thankfully, I'm not your God. Praise Jesus. <laughs> if it was me, I'd build a bigger statue. <laughs> and that statue would crush that little statue of culture, you know? But here's this rock, this little tiny thing that comes and hits the feet of culture. And then that little thing, that little truth, that little, that little tiny thing that's the beginning becomes a mountain that fills the whole earth. This is the God we serve. We can be faithful in the little, not so that we get the big, just because God is in the little. This is the truth of the kingdom. Amen. <laughs> we started um, working with this ministry down in Franklin, and uh, it's a, a worship and prayer ministry, and the first couple times we were doing it, no one showed up, right? Anyone ever done something where no one shows up? <laughs> just me. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so... Uh, I, I was doing this thing. No one was showing up. I was getting up early in the morning. I was making coffee. And then after it was over, I was pouring all of the coffee out, you know, because no one drank it. They weren't there. And I remember one time I was, while I was pouring out the coffee, I was like, Lord, one day this is going to be empty. And until that day, I get the, the privilege of being part of something that's just beginning, something that's so small. And when the one person came and then the two people came, and then the six people came, and then the 10 people came, I still had in my heart the memory of the beginning, of the small. So be encouraged. If you're in that place of small, I just really felt that this morning, that, that we could all come together in a place and be like, Jesus, I rejoice over the small. And we're talking about things that grow, and we're talking about things throughout history, but it's also in here. If you have small faith, if you have the beginnings of, of a walk with Jesus, to celebrate the beginning and know that that thing eventually is going to become big. Amen? All right, guys. <laughs> I just put this, this can sometimes be offensive to our Western mindset. If we were writing Nebuchadnezzar's dream and we saw the huge statue, our Western selves would want to build a bigger statue and would surely destroy this statue. Bigger is better, right? That's, that's just some of just what's in our culture. We see the influencers that are happening in the culture. We see it in the media. We see all that's happening. And then in our minds as Christians, we're like, we should be doing that. We need to influence them more or have something that looks better than what they have so they come to our thing. I just want to take some pressure off of us this morning. He loves the small. David and Goliath, folks, right? We love that story so much. And the reason we love it so much is there's a truth of the kingdom in there. The small guy wins. Amen? The man with a ministry of 12 people wins. The king of the universe ended his life on earth having 12 disciples and 12 apostles. Amen? Well, minus one, right? Yeesh. Judas. Okay. <laughs> It's just math. Okay. Matthew 17 through 20. Here's the second parable. So that was, that was Jesus, right? Secret of the kingdom number one. God loves small things that become big. Amen? 
Amen. That's right. Matthew 17, 20. It says, he replied, bless, because you have so little faith. Wait, no, I don't want to do that one. Here we go. Matthew 13, 33 through 35, the parable of the yeast. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in about 60 pounds of flour. That's so much flour. <laughs> They're so specific. <laughs> like We glance over these things in the Bible so much just because we're just kind of reading the Bible. But if we stop and be like, 60 pounds of flour? That's intense. What are you making with 60 pounds of flour? 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So here we go. This is, this is secret number two. God loves transformation right? That, that little bit of yeast works all the way through the dough. He loves transformation. And then the other thing is, this is our favorite. This is our favorite one, right? He loves things that take a long time. All of us are like, yes, it's the best. <laughs> I love it when things take a long time. Like when I'm at Starbucks and I need my coffee in the morning and the barista's slow, it's my favorite. <laughs> God loves things that take time. <laughs> oh, I had this little thing there. There's a couple, there's a couple instances of the use, the use of yeast when Jesus is talking about it, and there's one that's kind of negative, like beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Are you guys familiar with this? Beware of that bad, that bad teaching, that bad idea, that bad idea that can get into your dough, right? That bad idea that can get into your flour and create this other thing that's not the kingdom. He's saying, beware of that yeast. But he does say that the kingdom is like this yeast that works throughout the dough, okay? So I love this because look at, if you look at Numbers 13 and 14, that's where the spies come in and they have a bad report in the Old Testament. Do you guys know this? So they send the spies into the land. They come back and they're like, whoa, guys, we can't do this. Like we're in big trouble. Like they're way too big for us. And then they spread this bad report throughout the camp and it actually changes the whole dynamic of the culture and they all just don't believe God anymore. So that's, that's a very negative <laughs> use of that. But the kingdom of God, the truth, has this thing about it that it transforms a whole culture. That same bad idea, a good idea can, right? They, they went into the wilderness for 40 years until the good report of Joshua and Caleb actually transformed the children of Israel. And after 40 years, they became this people that actually believed that God could do what he said he could do. But that transformation took 40 years. Everyone like, yeah, I want the 40-year transformation. <laughs> could you imagine like starting like some kind of recovery program that you were like, hey guys, 40 years, let's do it. Everyone's like, I'm not signing up for that. Transformation is intentional. There's an article I was reading up on yeast like you do. Like you do. One article that said that yeast functions as if each individual molecule was being needed. Like yeast comes in and it takes each molecule and transforms it. Jesus is so perfect in his parables. I make up stories all the time to try to prove a point and they'll fall apart. Like eventually if you like drill down on it, you're like, well, I mean, it's kind of like that, right? But Jesus is so perfect that he uses yeast and he knows how it works. He made it. <laughs> And he's like, it's, the kingdom is like yeast in 60 pounds of dough. I mean, not dough, 60 pounds of flour, right? And it works its way all the way through until it transforms. This is the kingdom. 
This is the nature of the kingdom. So these are just some examples of things that take long times. <laughs> Joseph was 30 years old when he finally, right, he was a kid. And then it wasn't until he was 30 that he stepped into what he was doing. That was like a pretty good, like, 16, 15, 16 year period there. David was 30 years old. Jesus was 30 years old. Can you imagine? God is waiting for thousands of years to bring the Messiah and he's born in the earth as a baby. And then he waits 30 more years. Is that crazy? That blows my mind. Like I said, if I was God, I'd be like 30 year old man, let's do this. You know? You guys know. You know what I'm talking about. The Israelites were in Egypt 400 years. God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to give all of this land to you. And he's like, yes, that's awesome. And he's like, but you're, it's not going to go to you. In fact, your descendants, which you, have, you don't even have a baby yet, but your descendants are going to one day be captive in a land not your own for 400 years. And Abraham's like, yes, God, I believe. You know... Could you imagine if this morning I was like, Rock Point, in 400 years, <laughs> you know, like, you guys wouldn't want to hear what I had to say, because it doesn't concern you. This is how we think. Well, if it's not going to happen in my lifetime, I really don't care. Right? But if our God is a God who's transformational and who likes to take his time, we have to start adjusting the way we think. And say, maybe there's some promises and maybe there's some fulfillment that's going to come when my little boy, who's five, is a man. And maybe he'll get to see it. And maybe I live my life in such a way that, pre that prepares him for what's to come in his generation. And maybe I live my life in such a way that prepares him, that prepares his kids. Because I know that I serve a God who takes a long time. I know I serve a God who has the promise of 400 years. I know I serve a God who waited 4,000 years to bring Jesus. So I better just live my life in a way to prepare the generations. Amen? Isn't that great? Israel was captive for 70 years. These are great numbers. What's your five-year plan? <laughs> Isn't that crazy? We have to think this way, folks. We're the, we're, we serve the God of the generation. When they say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's not just like you're the God of your grandparents. He's reminding you, I'm the God of the generations. I fulfilled things in the days of Joseph that Abraham knew about, and they didn't even know each other, you know? Amen. I love that. Look at this. Revelation eleven fifteen. You got to go to the book of Revelation. It's everyone's favorite. It's like never contested. Everyone agrees all the time on what it means. It's like the best place. <laughs> Revelation eleven fifteen. it says this, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. Let me tell you what the trumpet is. I'm just kidding. And there was loud voices in heaven which said, look at this, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah, and his reign will be forever and ever. I just love the book of Revelation mostly because it tells me when it's all gonna work out. That's really why I like that book. I don't want to debate controversies. I just want us to settle as a body. Jesus gets what he wants in the end. And it says here, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. There's something about becoming. There's something about transformation. 
And evidently it takes a lot longer than 2,000 years since his crucifixion because here we are, folks. And that doesn't mean he's late. Okay, so I put this is encouraging on multiple levels that the Lord will have his way and that the earth will be made his. But also, if there is one area of the Lord that, okay, check this out, guys. This works in us individually. If there's one place that the Lord has victory in your life, if it's the smallest place, that's a sign to us that eventually he'll have our whole heart. So if you have areas in your life where you're like, well, I still struggle with this, or, whoa, this is still an issue with me, and all of that, if you can go back to that place that he has victory, it's a sign to you that he will have the whole flower, right? That this heart will become a new thing, that the yeast of the kingdom is in there, and it's a matter of time for it to work itself out. It's so encouraging to us. Amen? I believe that. Oh, I'm going to tell you this story, okay? We got time, yeah? I think we're, I'm watching the clocks. So I was praying this one time. Anyone have, <laughs> these are the great questions that you ask. Anyone have like a habit that you, or a struggle that you want to get rid of? <laughs> okay, that's me. Um, so I was praying this one time, asking the Lord for wisdom. Lord, what do you want to do? I just told this story to your youth. So those of you who are parents, you're going to thank me after you hear what I, t- what I told them. So I'm asking the Lord, like, what, what do I do with this? Like, how help me out. I'm in the word. I'm studying the scripture. I'm asking the Lord for direction. And I hear this, I hear this thought, make your bed. And I was like 21, 22 years old. And I hear the Lord say, make your bed. And I'm like, what does that have to do with what I just was talking to you about. I'm asking you for deliverance from this thing that like is this habit that I have that I'm so tired of having this habit. Anyone have those? No, so, did someone say no? I was like, pray for me. Um, and, and, and I hear him say, make your bed. And I was like, that's ridiculous, you know? So I'm like, okay, sure. You know, Because the whole reason is I didn't make my bed because I'm just going to get back in it and I'm 21 years old, you know? Like... What's a 21-year-old kid going to be making his bed for? (laughs) Even though my mom for all of my life was like, make your bed. This is why I'm telling you parents are like, thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for bringing order to my house. And so so I make my bed, right? And I go through a week of like making my bed just because I'm being obedient to like this weird thing I heard, you know? And at the end of the week, I felt like the Lord was like, hey, guess what? I was like, what? And he's like, you make your bed now. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, you didn't do that before. See, before me, you were Ryan, the man who didn't make his bed. Now you're mine and you make your bed. You guys, I know that seems really simple and foolish, but that was God getting victory in an area of my life that promised me that one day the thing I was struggling with would be taken care of. Because you see, as simple as that is, Ryan, no bed maker, Ryan, bed maker. And you guys, it's crazy. Like I stayed in a hotel last night. I slept in that bed for like three hours and I still made it. Do you know why? I'm a new creation. The yeast got in here. And it's working its way through this whole thing. And one day, those things that were a struggle are going to be gone. And I have full confidence because it's the way of the kingdom. He gets one little area and he expands and he gets the whole thing. And God will have the whole thing, folks. He won't be satisfied with like, well, we got half of it. Good job. 
We got half your heart. Like, you know, he will have the whole heart. He's not going to be satisfied with half the, the earth, right? Like, this feels good. I feel like we got, like, you know, half the kingdoms became mine. Let's call it a day. You know, like, he's just like, he will have the whole thing. Amen? Woo, that's exciting, huh? So go home and make your bed. That's what I told the kids, and you guys are like, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Look at this. This is the last one. This is just a bonus one because it's a different translation, and I just like throwing this one in because it's, I don't know, it's just a bonus one. Matthew 13, 33, this is the ESV. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is, is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. I love that word hid. I love that word hidden. And the last bonus, this is like point two B or whatever. This is like the bonus point of the kingdom today is just that God loves hiddenness. He loves hiddenness, right? We see this in the birth of Jesus. He's getting born in a manger, folks. Like he wasn't born in a palace somewhere. And we're thinking like, oh man, that's so crazy. Nothing could stop him from being born. No, no. No, he actually chose that place on purpose. He loves the hiddenness. He loves David out on the field when no one's looking, singing songs to the Lord. He loves that. He loves the hiddenness. And he still loves it today. And it's, it's so countercultural. Everything is about visibility. Everything is about being seen. Everything's about social media. And, and in that day, the Lord is calling his people to enjoy hiddenness sometimes and be like, okay, you like this stuff, right? everyone's like, yay. Proverbs 25, two says this, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. I love this verse so much, especially like when you see that word search, it makes me think of like Google. <laughs> we have such like an instantaneous culture right now. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, my kids, like they know, they know jokes first. If you do knock, knock jokes with Siri, they're like, hey, Siri, tell me a knock, knock joke, you know? I don't know if you've done that, but my kids do it. There's this instantaneous thing in our culture, right? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. He loves to hide things, not from us, but for us. He knows what happens to us when we seek it out. He knows what happens to us when we're looking for him. And we're like, I don't know this part of you, God. I want to know this. I need to seek this out. I need to look into your word. I need to find you here. He loves that. He knows that it's good for us. There's something in the seeking that that, that hiddenness provides, right? Isn't that wonderful? The ways of the kingdom are offensive to our culture, our humanness, and our church culture. The idea that something might take decades is offensive to us, right? Right? <laughs> oh my goodness we have lost the glory of kings the searching out of a matter this is not a google search this is not a quick lookup. this is pursuit this is exploration this is dedication this is finding a clue there's another parable that talks about finding a treasure and then selling everything to find out what that leads to if there's treasure in one part of this field there's got to be more and i'm going to sell everything to give my life to finding that treasure right the Lord loves small things becoming big. The Lord loves things that take time, and he loves transformation. And one of the things he uses sometimes is hiddenness. 
We have such an instantaneous culture. I feel like the Lord is calling to us to, to return to the joy of seeking him out, to return to the joy of giving ourselves to study of the word, to, to waiting on him. This is what I just told a lot of your kids over the last couple of days. Like It was just like, hey, let's have tools to look for God without your phone. There's been times where I've like been studying and I'll have a thought come to mind and a scripture come to mind and I'm like, where is that? And I'm like, Google, where is that? And I've lost the ability to find things without it. And the Lord set me up sometimes with no Wi-Fi and I'm like, oh God, where is it? I know it's in here. But there's a simplicity that the Lord wants us to return to, amen? What I'd like to do is just kind of in response to, to this revelation is just to take some time this morning and wait on the Lord and see if there's anything where we've found, like where we've been a little bit disgruntled about smallness or about things taking time. And I just want us to bring them to the Lord this morning. It's just a really practical thing, looking at your week, looking at your season, looking at life. And if there's any places where we've been offended because things were small or where we've been offended that things took too much time, I just want to give us a moment to respond to the Lord and just say, God, I give this to you. According to your word, small things aren't necessarily bad things. And according to your word, things that take time doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. So can you give me wisdom? Can you give me the ability, the grace to endure, the ability to see your hand at work? And I just feel like this morning, while we're doing that, the Lord's going to just comfort us. And, and we can rejoice again in the small things and say like, hey, this is great. It's great that it's small right now. I have a promise it's going to grow. It's who he is. It's great that this is taking two years, three years, four years, five years, 70 years. <laughs> Not 70 years, that doesn't feel good, but... But even if it did, right, he's worth it. Even if it did, he can still redeem it. 400 years in captivity for the Israelites was not a mistake. It actually created something. that God was at work in it. So I just, if we can pray and then they're going to do a little ditty. And, um, and you guys can just have some time with the Lord to process that. So Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the secrets of your kingdom, God. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. And we're so grateful. We're so grateful that you are God and we are not. So we just ask, Lord, even in this time of reflection, would you bring up those things that feel small to us, that feel places where we feel insignificant? Would you speak meaning to those things? Would you show us how you love the small and how there's a promise of that thing to grow? Would you show us how you love the areas that we've already been transformed and the promise that the rest of the transformation is coming? And we just thank you for this truth in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.